and it's the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning, we are continuing the sermon series we've been in for a number of weeks now that we're calling Renewed Life After Disaster. And of course, we're in this series because it's starting to feel like we're moving just to that, to life after the disaster that has been this pandemic, or at least we're moving there, hopefully in our country and eventually as the world. And at the heart of this, this question in this series is, what is that life about? What does a renewed life look like? How does it happen? How does it work? How do we get there? Because we long to be renewed individually and corporately, and not just in these days, exiting this pandemic, but anytime disaster comes into our lives, that's the question. What is life renewed going to look like? on the other side, to have God at the center of our lives, perhaps in a way that he never has been before, where we can become the light shining in the midst of the darkness, world filled with people who are watching the body of Christ, watching and longing for themselves to be renewed, wondering if it's even possible. What is it like to have lives that are renewed in such a way that they are vibrant attractive, joy-filled with Jesus at the center. And if you've missed any of the messages, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to them, not just because I want you to go back and listen to what I've said, but really because this is also a journey through the book of Ezra. And we're looking at this book because Ezra is the history of God's people at the time where they are emerging from 70 years of disaster, of captivity and exile in Babylon, and they come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and to renew life as God intended it. And so going back will help you just find the whole context for today and for this series. And so we've gone through four chapters of Ezra, and yet after four chapters, the temple isn't rebuilt and renewed a long way off. And so we're going to continue to see how God is going to bring renewal into their lives this morning. As we move into this message, just to tell you a quick story that happened to me a couple days ago. My son, my oldest son, Wesley, and I had the opportunity to go to Southwest Jersey because we had friends in town from Texas. They were in town to, for a, a clay shooting competition, and so we just went and, and got to watch and hang out with them for a while. And long story short, we got out the door a little bit late. We were opening the pool, and so it didn't go exactly as we wanted, mostly because Everett, my one-and-a-half-year-old, decided to throw whole unopened bags of shock into the pool. <laughs> and so I had the opportunity to to the cloudy, green, murky water to find them and fish them out. But So we got out the door late, needless to say. That's a, another longer story. But as, as we get in the car, you know, I ask Siri to give me directions to where we're going. And, you know, beautifully, we got out the door late, but we had planned to leave early enough that she, she said, yep, we're going to get there 13 minutes early. So I'm like, okay, not exactly what I wanted, but we'll take it. And so we start driving, and as we're driving along, I start seeing that the time begins creeping up. And now it's actually at the time we were supposed to get there is the estimated arrival. And I'm like, uh-oh, that's not, that doesn't look good. And so I decide, you know what, I'm going to switch to Waze, to a different navigation app, and see, see what happens there. And so I search through Waze, and then the sweet sound of Jane's voice, Jane is the uh, 
the digital voice in ways that I use. And so the sweet sound of Jane's voice tells me we're going to get there 15 minutes early. And I'm like, yes, right. And so I start following Jane as she guides me turn by turn through the navigation. And as we're going along again, the time starts creeping up. Now we're going to be right there, right? What? Jane. I switch to Google Maps and I try again, looking for any voice, any map that will tell me what I want to hear, tell me that we're going to get there on time if I will just follow the voice. And unfortunately, Google Maps said we were going to be even later, so I went back to the sweet sound of Jane's voice. And with the help of a somewhat heavy foot, we ended up getting there right at the appointed time, though not early like I had intended. And I tell you that because when we're on the path to renewal, when we're seeking to see our lives renewed, the reality is there will be a lot of voices speaking into your life, telling what renewal is going to look like. And so what we listen to, who we listen to along the way matters. Not just to help us get to the final destination, but actually how we will in fact get there. And so we're going to jump into Ezra chapters 5 and 6 today and figure out who are the people of God listening to for their renewal. And so we're going to jump in and you can follow along. The words on, are on the screen if you'd like, but listen for God's words speaking into your life and mine this morning. Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, son of Josadak, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. At that time, Tatanai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shetherbozani and their associates went to them and asked, Who authorized you to rebuild this temple and to finish it? They also asked, What are the names of those who are constructing this building? But the eye of their God was watching over the elders of the Jews. And they were not stopped until a report could go to Darius and his written reply be received. This is a copy of the letter that Tatanai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shetherbozani and their associates, the officials of Trans-Euphrates, sent to King Darius. Just as a pause, they sent the letter to King Darius. King Darius sent a reply, and then after their reply, we're going to jump in here in chapter 6, verse 13. Then, because of the decree King Darius had sent, Tatanai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shetherbozani and their associates carried it out with diligence. So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah, a descendant of Iddo. They finished building the temple according to the command of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. The temple was completed on the third day of the month Adar, in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Then the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. For the dedication of this house of God, they offered 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 male lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, one for each of the tribes of Israel. And they installed the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their groups for the service of God at Jerusalem, according to what is written in the book of Moses. This is the word of the Lord. And let's pray as we move into God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your spirit and invite you to send your spirit on that we can hear your words, receive your words, that we can respond. We have a hope this morning as we gather, and we pray with that hope in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So two weeks ago, the foundation of the temple was laid and there was a huge celebration. Last week, the work of the rebuilding of the temple and the city was sabotaged by the local people, those living in the area, their neighbors. And they were able to sabotage that work for 16 years. So for 16 years, leading into what we read today, the people have just kind of been in limbo. No life renewed, no progress, nothing moving forward. And I think that's just such a, maybe an appropriate description of where you might find yourself this morning, feeling like, man, we're just still in limbo. I'm still just waiting to get through this, to get to the other side, waiting to see when life will be renewed. And one of the hopeful things that we find in this whole book, but in this particular set of passages that we read this morning, that God is more committed to their renewal than even they are. Because when they look at it and they're sitting in limbo and all the signs, the outward things that are happening in their lives make them go, man, I don't know. I don't see it happening. We find right here that God is still committed to their renewal because he doesn't leave them and abandon them just to figure out their own path forward. He sends the prophets to speak to the people. And, and so he sends, we're told, Haggai and Zechariah in particular, two of the prophets that actually, if you keep reading through the Old Testament, we have books that are named after these prophets where you can actually see the substance of what they told the people. And when we think of prophets, I, often we think about, for, you know, future telling, fortune telling. We think about, they're going to think about and tell us events that will come sometime in the distance, and that is sometimes, in fact, true. But what is always true of the prophets of God is that they are forthtelling, meaning they're speaking forth what God has revealed to them. So whatever it is that God wants to say, they say, they become his mouthpiece, and so, whatever God wants to reveal, the prophets are revealing. And so, frequently, they're calling the people back to repentance, saying, hey, your lives are out of line. Come back to me. Be faithful. Often, they're reminding them of the character of God and what he's done for them throughout time, throughout history. They often look backwards. Sometimes, they look forward to the future to try to inspire and encourage the people. Whatever it is, always, they're speaking God's word, and it is always intended to get a response for the people to act, to do something with it. It's never enough just to hear God's word. We're called to do something with it. And, and it was high stakes to be a prophet. You know, that actually, we're told that if a prophet were to prophesy falsely, that the law commanded that they be put to death. And so a prophet had better be really sure that what they've heard is from God before they step out and they proclaim, I have a word of the Lord for you. And I think it's because we know that lives are so, lies are so destructive to relationships, aren't they? I mean, you know that in your life. I mean, just even little lies start to creep in and they become this, this just thing that sticks in your brain. So now you start calling into question every interaction, every promise, and it can just be so destructive. I think that's why the stakes are so high of the prophets, because this is how important it is to God that he communicates, that he speaks clearly to his people throughout time, that he wants to make sure that what is spoken in his name can be trusted, that it will in fact lead to lives that will be renewed, that he speaks into the midst of disasters and limbo, and those words that are hopeful and speak renewal can actually be grabbed onto and trusted. And so God speaks renewal. God speaks into their lives in their limbo. He's more committed than they are even. And we know that he's more committed than they were because actually Haggai has to call them to account 
Because it seems like rather than being committed to the voice of God, they were committed to their own voice, their own priorities, their own agenda. And we, we see it actually when Haggai in chapter 1 calls them out. He says, hey, you all are living, you're living in, in luxury. You know, your houses have all this wood paneling. You've been you know, spending these years you know, building up your houses so that they can be something of your security and your hope. And, and God's house lies in ruins. Even the temple foundation that you laid 16 years ago is crumbling, and yet your lives, your crops, your herds, your houses, you're investing all of your time in the priorities that you have set. You have this freedom that God's given you from captivity, but you're using it to do whatever you feel like. And the house of God is in ruins, and renewal is still far off. I mean, as I'm thinking about our, our emergence from this disaster, from the restrictions and, and life beginning to start back up and open up in some ways, I just couldn't help but to, to see the parallels and wonder the question, what are our lives going to be filled with as the restrictions continue to be lifted? What voices are we going to be listening to that are going to set our priorities that we're going to follow in the weeks and the months ahead? Because I, I'm confident that there are lots of things that you and I are excited to get back to. Things that, that you want to go do, places that you want to go, people that you want to see, experiences that you have been putting off for some time, and none of these are necessarily wrong, but the question as we think about life truly renewed is, are we listening to God's voice leading us into renewal? Not just to a, a freedom of activity and getting to do whatever it is that we feel like, but a renewal from the soul, from the inside out. Because man, who wants to be really busy again? but have emptiness inside. Like, that's the concern. That's the, that's the thing that God is speaking into because these people have been living busy, active, free lives, but renewal is still a long way off. So Haggai says to them, he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. This is chapter one, starting in verse four. Give, or five, give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. I think the word is for us. Give careful thought to the voices that we're listening to as we begin to set our priorities for life after disaster because we may find ourselves busy, but not renewed. You know, and so we got to be careful. And, and choosing what voices to listen to as, as we seek renewal in our lives, I think becomes increasingly difficult, especially as our expectations are disappointed, as they're not met. Because you know, we start to emerge from whatever the disaster would be, and we start to feel like, man, okay, I'm going to finally get this back in my life. I'm gonna, it, maybe life, we're hoping, will get easier. Our stress level will go down. Something's going to happen that's going to give us joy or meaning. Or maybe you've just been feeling like for many months, man, it's just this pandemic that has me down that has me not really feeling like me. But what happens is if, if as we emerge from this pandemic, you still don't feel like you. You know, when we start to have our, our expectations disappointed, what voices are we going to listen to? And, and this is what happened for these people in this passage. Because here they are, they, start, they started to rebuild the temple, and then last week it was totally sabotaged. Two weeks ago, they had laid the foundation of this temple. It was the moment of celebration. Do you remember that some wept? That some were disappointed? 
And, and actually, Haggai was speaking to these people in chapter 2 when he says, who of you is left who saw this house, meaning the temple, in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not now look like nothing? In other words, he's recognizing that some of them thought that renewal was going to include this grand, beautiful structure that was going to be greater than the former glory of the, of the former temple. And this temple was clearly, based on its foundation, going to be much, much smaller. But they had wanted renewal to be this thing that was awe-inspiring that other people would even look upon and say, wow, look at that. Look at them. And man, I think we want that too. We want that affirmation sometimes from, from people looking at our lives being renewed, saying, wow, look at them. Amazing. And God is stripping, I think, that back from them back their expectation that renewal would be something that would happen and that others would be amazed at and affirm. Instead, Haggai continues, he says, be strong all you people of the Lord and work for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. In other words, he's saying, hey, renewal, renewal is not about what others think and say. It's not about this grand and amazing structure and display. It's about the presence of God with you, in you. So don't worry about what everyone else is thinking, what everyone else is saying. Be strong and work. In other words, take the life that God has given you and live it with purpose and meaning. Put it into his hands and let him work through you. Zechariah jumps in, and he's, he's speaking to the same problem. He says this in chapter 4, verse 10. Who dares despise the day of small things? <laughs> Man, what a great phrase. Yeah, this temple is in fact... He's saying going to be finished, and yes, it is in fact going to be smaller than the previous temple, but the God who is behind it, the God who will fill it, the God who will renew your life through it, this God is infinite. He's the one who's glorious. It's not about the building. It's not about the temple. It's not about the structure. And so who are we to despise the small things? Renewal may come in your life through a series of small, almost seemingly insignificant things, but small things in the hands of an infinite God can be glorious. And so, God's speaking into their life. He's speaking into our lives. He's speaking because he wants to do great things through the small, everyday, ordinary things of our lives, through our work that we will offer back to him. But what voices are they going to listen to? And it wasn't just their own voices that they, they had to contend with. We were told, again, here come the locals. You know, they finally start to respond. The prophets get their attention. They start rebuilding the temple. And then suddenly, here come the locals again. And did you see? They come in and they, they say, who authorized you to rebuild this temple and finish it? You know, and just hearing that question immediately took me back to the garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. I couldn't help but to picture Adam and Eve in the beautiful garden that God had given, enjoying life, and here comes the serpent, slithering through. He's like, hey, how's it going? It's my paraphrase. Did God really say that you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? Well, no, that's not at all what God said. And yet, Last week when we talked about there's an enemy that wants to sabotage the renewal that God wants to bring in your life, often it begins with questions. Questions filled with partial truths and lies. Questions intended to cause doubt, to put cracks in your faith and your relationship with God. And here, these people, these locals, are asking a question. Who authorized you to rebuild and finish this temple? It's been 16 years since they finished the foundation. It's been like 
20 years since they returned? Uh, good question. Who, who did authorize us to do this? I mean, we always thought it was a good idea, but, but who did? You can just imagine the pressure that's, that's mounting on them. And some of them did, in fact, remember. They told them that it was Cyrus some time ago. And see, we have these voices in our lives, just like these locals, these voices that are calling into question the future, that are challenging or offering even another vision of life renewed of a future other than the vision that God wants for you. And I wonder this morning, who do you give authority to in your life? Who is authorized to speak renewal into your life? Who's authorized to tell you what that renewal will look like? Who do you give authority to speak? And when we look at, at our broader culture, I mean, we see such, such a divide politically, that, and, and, and it's clear who the authorized parties are. And it's these news channels and these news channels. But that one can't speak to this one, and this one can't speak to that one. Only those are the authorized voices. We see it. We see it perhaps through social media most clearly because your social media, if you have one, your feed is set up to make sure that you only hear the authorized voices of your side. The rest of them are silenced. The rest of them are weeded out so that the voices that you hear, the authorized people in your life are never challenged. There's no alternatives that are offered. And so there's not the opportunity to think, well, maybe there is some validity in something else somebody might have to say, even somebody that I think I disagree with or I even think I disrespect. But you know what? I don't have time or even it's not even presented the alternatives. And so I'm just going to listen to that authority on what they say. Who's getting to speak? You know, and when we specifically start thinking about renewal, and we start thinking about the vision of a life renewed as God intends it to be, or even just we start pondering and contemplating a life renewed of what would give our lives joy and peace and meaning and hope, who's authorized to speak that vision of what life renewed looks like? I mean, I think that comes from a lot of different sources. I mean, I think some, some are looking to sports icons, some are looking to authors and speakers. Some are looking to your parents who maybe even have passed long ago and yet this desire seeking their approval is pushing you to continue to seek the life as they said it should be lived. Who gets that authority? Who are you giving authority to? There's celebrities that get to speak into our lives, musicians and streamers and artists Who's authorized to speak the next steps for renewal into your life? And are they speaking God's vision for a life renewed? Or is it something else? We've got to be careful about the voices that we allow to have authority in our life. And this is why the prophets came, because God wanted to say very clearly, this is the voice that speaks with my authority, speaks my vision for renewal, that is going to invite you, mobilize you to take the next steps toward my, the life renewed that I intend for you. To remind you of my goodness and my faithfulness, to remind you uh, of how you are my chosen, loved people, to remind you of the future that I want to bring you, so take these steps toward healing and joy and peace. That's why the prophets came. And we're told that these people, as they were having all of these voices, the prophets, the neighbors, their own voices, we're told this wonderful thing in, in verse 5. Did you see the eye of their God was watching over them? I mean, man, this is a, an important promise to grab onto as we think about all these voices around us. 
Because we hear all these voices and it can be confusing. And trying to sift out what is true and what's not true and what should we follow and what shouldn't we follow is such a challenge. And so to remember so clearly that the eye of God is upon you, is watching over you. He sees you and he is speaking to you. And as the people hear God and respond to his voice, something amazing happens. Last week, sabotage. This week, the attempts at sabotage, they don't win. In fact, the people push through. They overcome. We see that the temple ultimately is built. And, and so why is that? And I think part of it is because they were listening to the voice and responding. They were differentiating themselves from their neighbors and even from their past ancestors who had lived so faithlessly in the first place. And, and actually, there's this, this term, differentiation, that's so important when we start thinking about renewal. Because over the last weeks, we've been talking about how renewal ultimately requires something to change. It's not just about returning to something that was to the old normal New renewal, by its definition, will have something new as a part of it. God wants to do something new. Well, when something new happens, that means things have to change, and we often resist change because there's loss involved, and so it's hard. And people around us in our lives often resist the changes that we're trying to make. That's what we talked about last week. That's where the sabotage often starts to come in. And so how do we navigate the attempts of sabotage and come out on the other side? And it's the reality of we need to differentiate ourselves from those around us. So what does that mean? Todd Bolsinger is, a, is a, he's a professor and an author, and he writes a lot about church leadership and change leadership in the church, and he talks about differentiation, and he says it's this. He says, it's the ability to have a sense of self that is distinct from one's role, one's relationships, and the family or organizational system we are a part of without having to disconnect relationally. In other words, he's saying, in order to, to navigate sabotage, we need to differentiate ourselves from our role so we are not the role that we play. We need to differentiate ourselves from the relationships of people. In other words, we need to define ourselves, our priorities, our values, the things that are, are going to guide our decision-making, our next steps, in a way that is separate from those around us that might try to suck us back in, who have an invested interest in the status quo. And all of this without cutting ourselves off from those relationships and those people. Because it's easy to make changes in your life and, and cut people off. You know, it's easy to say, oh, you don't like it? Fine, I'm out. And you can become this different person. But to really navigate something that's renewed, something that's beautiful in our lives, is to stay connected relationally. I mean, sometimes it's required because the, the relationship is so, so toxic, so abusive, that you got, you've got to cut it off. But frequently... Our calling is to stay connected, to love others, even as we find and differentiate ourselves in a way that puts the, the values and priorities of God, how he's made us, what he was calling us into, keep us solid and firm on that while we stay connected to the people who, who love us, who we love, and who even may unintentionally be trying to sabotage the renewal in our lives. So we have to clearly define our priorities be clear about who God has made us to be and be committed to his vision of renewal and obedience to follow it, to step into it, to stay connected, but to stay committed. And as they did this, they navigated the sabotage and they came to this place where they were able to build, rebuild the temple. They were able to dedicate the house of God. It was finished four years later. And they celebrated 
all these sacrifices, and at the heart of it was a sin offering for every tribe of Israel, one male goat for every tribe renewal. The new temple, the new city, the new priesthood. Yes, a new governmental structure change, but God at the center. All because they followed the voice of God through the prophets. And so as we seek renewal, I think one of the questions that remains is how can we be sure that the voice we're hearing is the voice of God? How can we be sure that he's the one leading us? I, I think this is where we get the gift of John 16, where what we read earlier, Jesus is talking to his disciples the night before he's going to be crucified, and he, he knows disaster is coming. He knows darkness is coming, and he's trying to prepare, prepare for it, but he knows that they can't take in, they can't handle everything he's going to tell them, and so instead, he gives them the promise. He says, here's the thing. I'm going to send to you my Holy Spirit, and he, you won't understand. You're going to be confused. There's going to be a lot of voices, but he will lead you into all truth. He will speak. He will speak everything that I tell him to speak. I will reveal to him the truth, and then you will respond. It's this beautiful gift where he's saying the Spirit is the one who's going to, to speak on my behalf. And man, this is so encouraging because he's telling them, you're not going to see me. You're not going to necessarily hear me audibly in the way that you hear, but my Spirit is going to speak clearly to you, which is a gift for those of us who have come years and years later. Because I, I don't know about you, I've often been jealous of the disciples because it's been like, man, if I had just had that time with Jesus, if I could have just seen him do the miracles, if I could have just been there and seen the resurrection, then man, that would have helped me in my doubts, in my fears, in my questions, in my worries. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't need any of that. You just need to hear my voice clearly, and you're going to hear my voice clearly because I'm going to give you my spirit, and he will speak. And so how do we hear from the spirit? I mean, part of it is simply making ourselves available with expectation that God will, in fact, speak, showing up consistently, offering ourselves, asking him to teach us his voice because we need to le learn his voice just like we need to learn anybody else's voice in our lives. We've got, got to practice learning. Perhaps it's spending more time in the Bible, not because it's the right thing to do or because I have to, but because it's the gift of God's word that it speaks, he uses it to speak into our lives, that the spirit illuminates the word of God that is the scripture in a way that it speaks into your life today and to mine. And as we seek to hear from God day in and day out, you can know that any word that you're going to receive from God will be consistent with the word that you see in the scripture. Because he doesn't lie. He speaks consistently through all manners and means. And if you don't understand what he's saying, maybe it's to seek out counsel from other people in your life, people who have, are practiced at hearing God's voice, people who you trust, people who you know are submitting themselves before him, and, and they can give you clarity. They can, perhaps you're going to receive from them a rebuke. Perhaps you're going to receive from them encouragement. But at least they can be that voice of God. But I think maybe most important of what Jesus is getting at in John 16, how can you know that the word is from the Lord? He says it's because the, the Holy Spirit will glorify me. In other words, the Holy Spirit, the word that he will give you will always bring glory to Jesus. And when we think about what, to, what glorifying Jesus means throughout the book of John, it's not just about general honor. It's not just about you know, giving him some sort of, sort of, of accolades. John specifically speaks of the honor of, that Jesus receives in his crucifixion, in his death, 
in his loving sacrifice. And so any voice that we hear that denies our need for the sacrifice for sin that Jesus offered, that is the sacrifice of sin, just like the people of God needed when they dedicated that temple and they offered 12 male goats, we too need the sacrifice for our sin. And so any voice that denies our need for that sacrifice is not the voice of God. It's denying the need. It's not a word from the Lord. And so the word that would say, you know, just when you're seeking renewal, just do what makes you happy. Do what feels right inside. Because that's the most important thing. That's, God loves you anyway. It's fine. This isn't a word from God. Because it denies our need for the sacrifice that Jesus has made on our behalf because we have taken the freedom that God has given us and we have made a mess of things and we keep making a mess of things. We keep aligning our lives not with the renewal that he wants but simply with our agenda and the voices of, of ourselves or those around us who aren't probably or are not certainly always speaking the word of God. So we need his we need his sacrifice, his glory being lifted up on a cross for our sake because God loves us not just wants to give us some sort of freedom that we can do with whatever we want, but to have life, real life, renewed life. The word of God will remind us that Jesus came to offer himself for you, to make you new, to purify you so that you could receive his Holy Spirit, just like they did at that first Pentecost 2,000 years ago. You can receive his Holy Spirit, and so that through his Holy Spirit, he can speak the truth into your life. So this morning, Receive, receive that spirit. Receive his spirit by putting your faith in Jesus, the one who was glorified for you. The one who has made you new so you can receive his spirit. Hear his voice, his voice that's leading you into a life renewed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word that speaks to us where we are. We, we confess that there are so many voices that we listen to. And we want to hear from you and you alone. And so will you teach us your voice? Help us become familiar that we can follow your spirit into the truth that will lead to lives renewed in Jesus' name. Amen.